So it is just a huge honor and privilege to join you this morning in worship and to address your church. Um, I come with warm greetings and well wishes from Reverend Dom and all our brothers and sisters in Christ worshiping over at St. Margaret's this morning. As you've already heard, I've, I've been in post since June of last year, and I've really enjoyed getting to know some in your congregation through our Churches Together shared initiatives. It's been such a joy to find such strong bonds between the, U, the Friary, the URC, the Baptists, and uh, the Anglican churches here in this neighborhood. I'm particularly excited for the upcoming opportunities for our partnerships to bless the community of Olton throughout Holy Week and Easter. So when Bernice invited me back around Christmas time to be your guest today, I have to admit I was rather taken aback, not because of anything she said, but because of my church background. You see, when I was three years old, I was adopted through marriage into a Christian family that worshiped in a small American Baptist church in rural Oregon in the Pacific Northwest region of the United States. And there it is. In those days within our denomination and congregation, there was vehement opposition to women as preachers. So it wasn't until I was well into my 30s before I had the opportunity to be ministered to by an ordained woman. I know that this is not the attitude of your church, but old influences are sometimes hard to overcome. So if you hear a bit of a waver in my voice this morning, it will be because I am in awe of the way God continues to heal some long-standing wounds and to challenge me to trust that he is leading me into greater obedience to this call on my life. This trust and obedience is something I believe the scripture passage that we will be exploring this morning is calling the Christian churches to embrace more universally today. Throughout our time this morning, I'll be sharing a bit of my own story of faith and the call to ordain ministry as an encouragement to you, I hope, to think about the ways you can share your story as we build God's kingdom in Alton through relationships built on the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So this photo is a picture of my childhood church, Selma Baptist Church. My grandfather was one of the founding members of the church and in the early 1900s helped to build the sanctuary. When I was very small, the church was located on the opposite side of the Redwood Highway. Um, and if you've ever visited the Pacific Northwest, you'll know that there are very few routes between California and Oregon, the Redwood Highway being one. In my early teenage years, the church was uh, raised, placed on a flatbed truck and moved ever so carefully across the highway and deposited on the land, plot of land you see here. Following on from that transition, the church grew in numbers and two wings were added onto the original building to provide for teaching and fellowship areas. My family had taken an active role in the, grand, in the uh, construction of the new buildings and I was proud of having the job of picking up 
any leftover debris before the service of consecration. As a faith community, we were proud of the work we had done, and I was overjoyed to have the privilege of showing my granddad, who by then had moved to another part of the state, my new Sunday school classroom. There was a real sense that the Holy Spirit was present and working in our tiny mountain town. Two things that strike me about that experience. One, that in order for our church to thrive in the midst of growing pains, we had to get a new perspective. It may not seem a big change to move across the road, but it meant that when we walked out of the church doors on a Sunday morning or evening, we saw directly to our left the primary school, which was adding portable classrooms to house growing numbers of pupils. And to our right, the new grocery store with its five long aisles for our shopping pleasure, to replace the cramped two-aisle shop across the highway. They were signs that the town was growing and that our church had a mission from God to reach out to our neighbors in a new way. Secondly, that the work of the church campus, the expansion was undertaken by the people. By pooling our knowledge and resources together, we accomplished something rather remarkable. And despite the dangers from yearly wildfires, the church still stands there today as a beacon of Christian hope for a town that if you blink, you would miss as you hurtle past at 55 miles per hour. The book of Acts, as you will know from your deep dive into the book over the last several weeks, chronicles the birth and growth of the Christian church. In the passages from chapters 11 and 12 that we are focusing on this morning, we read about the early Christians moving out of Jerusalem and into new territory. This slide shows the areas to which the apostles fled. Verse 19 says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch telling the message only to Jews. As you can see in this map, they had to travel considerable distance. Antioch, for example, is 300 miles north of Jerusalem in present day Syria, and was at the time, the third largest city in the wider Roman empire after Rome and Alexandria. The population is estimated to have been between a quarter and a half million people who were multi-ethnic and followed many religions, including Judaism. It sounds not unlike Bolton and Sully Hall today. As I've been studying to prepare to speak to you this morning, I've marveled at the relatively small number of apostles that Christ commissioned to spread the gospel and the enormity of their success. In the Church of England, Birmingham, there's a wealth, there's a, I'm sorry, there's presently a push to plant new churches. To support those initiatives, there's a wealth of resource, both human and monetary, backing them up. This is completely appropriate, but it stands in stark contrast to what Luke describes in Acts at a time when the apostles and other believers had to disperse because of the persecution of Christians in Jerusalem following the stoning of Stephen. They didn't have the benefit of a major benefactor providing for their needs. Instead, they relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And at the front of their delegation was Barnabas. Now Barnabas hailed from Cyprus, which can be seen here on this map. What can be said about the character of Barnabas? Well, quite a lot actually. Here what the new, the new encyclopedia of Bible characters writes about Barnabas. He was a kind and generous, warm-hearted man who gave freely of his time and talents for the cause of Christ, both at home and in distant places. He was a man of prayer who sought the guidance of the Holy Spirit in making decisions. He encouraged his fellow Christian workers and was a friend who was willing to give someone a second chance. He saw potential in other people and was willing to enlist them, even if in time, like Paul, they might outstrip him. Like many another, Barnabas could be swayed by pressure, but generally he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. So Barnabas may have played second string to Paul in many ways, Certainly his thoughts and reflections didn't make it into the count of, of scripture as Paul's did, but what a legacy. How many Barnabases do we have in our congregations today? And how are we supporting their spirit-led gifts and talents and encouraging them to lead us into new horizons as Christ's kingdom is born on earth? Just something for us all to pray about in the coming days and weeks. So after I left home, I had a period in which I was not attached to church. And in that time, I explored the origins and beliefs of other religions and wrestled quite a lot with who I thought God is and where I might still fit into his plans. Following the birth of my children, I settled into a mainline Protestant church in upstate New York. And not to gloat, I flourished. The love of scripture that I had gained from those great Baptist tradition, um, coupled with a more generous theology of female church leaders, meant I found a place to more fully and authentically share my spiritual gifts. It was there that I felt the call to ordained ministry. It is also where I had to learn lessons about trusting in God, when spiritual growing pains became excruciating. Perhaps you experienced the difficulties that stemmed from the economic crisis of 2008. For my young family, that was, a, that was a period of great uncertainty and worry. In the span of just a few months, we saw my husband's employer lose multiple building contracts, meaning that ultimately he would be made redundant. I was working for the church as the director of Christian education, but we could not make ends meet on my salary in the dead of winter in New York. At the same time that I felt God nudging me to take a leap in faith and to follow his voice, the floor was falling out from under my family. I had never felt such desperation and confusion. On the one hand, God was speaking powerfully in my life, and on the other, there didn't seem to be any way for me to step into that calling. As I read about those early Christians leaving Jerusalem, their spiritual home, I felt my heart break for them. It felt so familiar. I remember my prayers 
as we taxied down the runway as our family moved to Birmingham on that last day of February 10 years ago. Well, God, I prayed, I guess I just didn't understand what you were calling me to do. I won't lie, it was bleak. I felt misled and abandoned. I can't help but wonder if the apostles didn't sometimes question what on earth God was up to as they sat around their campfires at night. What I didn't know at that time was that God hadn't given up on his plans, but I was in for a big surprise and a mighty big dose of growing pains when I touched down on this side of the pond. Now, growing pains, if you remember from childhood or from sleepless nights comforting a child who is suffering from them, are really quite an awful experience. I had a quick read of the Mayo Clinic's website to see what lies behind growing pains. I figured they must be connected to an elongation of the ligaments and tendons or perhaps bone growth. I was surprised to find that growing pains don't really have anything to do with growth at all. In fact, they are more to do with overexertion of the muscles from running, climbing, and jumping, all things we do as small children. Some scientists even wonder if the pains are linked to lowered pain threshold or psychological disturbances. The recommended remedies for treating the symptoms are massage, application of heat to the affected area, mild pain relievers, and stretching exercises. As the apostles dispersed around the region of Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, they would have had been to be they would have had to have been practicing not only some spiritual muscle building exercises, but also some spiritual stretching exercises. Being on Zoom, you can't see that I'm just a bit above average height of a British woman. The summer before I began upper secondary school, I grew a total of six inches in the span of just three months. It was physically painful. I experienced knee dislocations, got through a couple of shoe sizes, and bumped into a fair few tree limbs that I had once been able to walk under without stooping. A decade and a half later, I was in the spiritual gymnasium trying my best to limber up for living out my Christian faith in a foreign land, whilst, not trying, whilst trying not to dislocate a limb or bang my head on new theology and spiritual practice. It's a very long journey between the American Baptist Church and the Church of England, but as the Bible says, nothing is impossible with God. The first bit of spiritual stretching I had to embrace was to set aside received assumptions about churchmanship. I had expected to have a browse of the churches on offer in our new neighborhood, trying on for size some denominations that seemed familiar and then some that were new to me. But God had other ideas, as so often happens. St. Nicholas Church in Kings Norton was the first and only church I visited before I knew unequivocally that God had a place in the Church of England for me and for my family. I couldn't explain to you how I knew, I still can't, but I'm certain it was a spiritual stretching that made it all possible to perceive. Within a year, I went from volunteering in the church to working for the church and beginning the discernment process for ordained ministry. Nine years later, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm taking the next step into the calling of Christ on my life. 
I haven't stopped building spiritual muscles and I'm under no delusion that I won't be called to ever more stretching before my mission here in this new place is complete. In the first century, it was imperative for the apostles to disperse and evangelize. We are Christians today because of their obedience to the call of Christ to tell the nations of his saving power. Christians through the centuries, like you and I, have continued to follow that command every day. We follow in their footsteps into the mission field of our neighborhoods, businesses, schools, and the marketplace. As the world continues to fall further and further into crisis, Christ's message becomes ever urgently needed. As I watch the horrors of the war in Ukraine and the images of refugees fleeing the bombs and bullets, I'm left wondering what spiritual stretching God is calling his church to now. The people of Ukraine are overwhelmingly Christian. The majority identifying with one or another of the many Orthodox Catholic branches of faith. I believe that the church is once again meeting the battered and bloody body of Christ in each of those refugees as they flood over the border of Ukraine, looking for succor. And the question for our churches today is whether we are united in our love for God more than we are divided along our denominational boundaries. Will we, at this time of terrible tragedy, at last join hands across the Catholic Protestant divide to embrace one another as one in Christ Jesus. I believe that when we do, and I truly hope that it will be possible, God's kingdom will burst forth and the people of this world will see his glory and bow before his holy throne. Amen. <laughs>